my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show on the most important day in our nation's history, December 7th, 1941, the day that, as our president said, the day that will live in infamy, the day the Japanese surprise attack on Pearl Harbor. For Americans at that time, it was the most important and upsetting date of their lives and remained so for the rest of their lives. Today, a lot of people don't even know the significance of December 7th. We ended up being triumphant in World War II, great loss of life around the world. But I want to make sure I draw attention to that for a specific reason. I'm grateful to the brave people who fought in World War II and preserved freedom and democracy in the world. And also that we remember that as life brings unexpected, terrible events, like for those of us in more modern times, September 11th, 01, that we remember that human beings can deal with tragedy, can respond to it, overcome it, and thrive. And all of us in our lives as citizens of the United States, as individuals in our own lives, in our own community, we're always met with various hardships. And I just want you to remember that we have more ability as human beings to overcome tragedy and triumph over it than we often give ourselves credit for. Life at times will present out of nowhere really difficult and sometimes brutal circumstances. But one of the things we have as human beings is the ability to overcome, adapt, and ultimately thrive again. And as you meet hardships in your life, I hope you'll remember what I've said right now, that human beings survive because we do strive to endure. So in today's episode, tax rates with the IRS. Actually, there's some good news with that. That's from the bad news of the inflation we've had in recent years. I'm going to talk to you about how that impacts your life in multiple ways straight ahead. Later, I have a very scary story about why you should always, yes, I said always, get paper statements from your bank. Wait till you hear what I have to tell you later. So the new tax rates for 24 are such that a lot of decisions we make are more favorable in today's circumstances because by historical numbers, tax rates are very, very low. You know, it doesn't feel like it when you see the deduction from your paycheck, but you look at where most people are financially, tax rates are very low. If you make a typical family income, your effective federal tax rate as a married couple caps out at 12% at up to $94,000 a year after deductions, whatever. Individuals half that. But 12% means that there are a lot of decisions you can make that you can just ignore where taxes fit in it and make the best decision for you. An example, and this would be true even for a family income up to 200 grand a year, 
or for a single individual up to, let's say, 100 grand a year, you're going to find you are really in a great position to, if you've got money in a traditional IRA, to go through the process steadily of converting that money into Roth IRA money, very much to your advantage. The tax brackets are so favorable that buying any kind of whole life insurance, unless you had very, very limited circumstances, would never be a decision to make because of the taxes you might feel like you might avoid by having that. And the salespeople who pitch any kind of variable, universal, lifey kind of stuff as a tax smart thing to do, gosh, I mean, you don't even get to where that makes sense till somebody has a stratospheric income, maybe 750000 a year or so. I mean, so it applies to like nobody, but they're very much heavily pushed in the industry. So you don't make decisions emotionally because of tax rates, because then you miss opportunities or you end up costing yourself money. And so for a typical person buying a house, the pitch always from the real estate industry is how tax smart it is to own a house. But when you take what tax brackets are and you take the standard deductions, which are so high now, almost nobody really benefits other than people who are ultra high income earners and hugely expensive homes. They're not making money work for them by having a mortgage interest deduction. It's just not going to really benefit you. So few people get benefit from it. So in an era where almost everybody among the American people is at historically low tax rates, don't fall for pitches that pitch how tax smart it is to do this, that, or the other thing. Krista? This is from Luke in Georgia. I used Priceline Express and got a deal to find a hotel in New York City. It cost a lot, $2,500 for two nights. I needed three rooms for six guests. Priceline gave me options to choose beds, and I chose three rooms with two king beds. I arrived in New York City, and the hotel said they don't have any rooms with two king beds, and I was booked for one king bed. I tried for any room with two beds, and they said they can't help since I booked on a third-party site. I had a group that could not share beds, so we were stuck. The options were to cancel the whole booking, which I couldn't do after traveling all day, or Priceline would find me a hotel with two beds in each room. After an hour, even with a supervisor, they ended up hanging up on me as they tried to transfer me to a three-way call with the hotel. Ultimately, our group trip was ruined since we had to share beds. What is my recourse? Just suck it up? When I try to redo the same booking, I'm getting the same options, which means it's going to happen to someone else. Yeah, I, it's very, very unusual in any hotel, anywhere, the largest you'll ever find is two queen beds. In New York, typically, you'll find two double beds if you get a two-bedded room. And obviously, Priceline has a problem with their software. You know, this is a real problem because what do you want from Priceline now? Because even though it ruined the experience for you, you stayed in the room, which makes it really, really a hard problem. I would file a complaint 
about Priceline with the Better Business Bureau. Be very specific what you want and start with, you want them to fix the listing so no one else ends up in the situation because what you're saying with that is this isn't primarily about you, it's about other people. And anybody reading that will appreciate that. What would be reasonable for Priceline to do is give you some kind of credit towards a future stay. In the travel industry, they follow the same rule as the restaurant industry. In the restaurant business, they call it eating the evidence. That if you eat a meal and then later complain about it, they're like, well, you should have refused the food. And you were in a situation, what do you do? You're all there at the hotel. You paid $2,500 for something you didn't get that was Priceline's fault. And so you got to be very clear, what is it you want as compensation? And again, you start with, in your Better Business Bureau complaint, bbb.org, you start with, I want this to not happen to anybody else first. Any other suggestions? Well, I would, I mean, it doesn't help Luke, but um, whenever I book through any kind of third party site, I call the hotel and make sure that the reservation is as I wanted. If I wanted two beds that it had, they have me down for two beds because I have heard this of this happening before where it's like the bed type you asked for is not on the actual reservation. So that's a bummer. So I got to tell you what happened one time when I took my oldest Rebecca to New York when she was a teenager. So I booked a hotel on one of the third-party sites, not Priceline, another one. I booked two beds in a hotel, and we got there, and they said, no, uh, you have one single bed. And Rebecca ended up sleeping on the floor. Then I changed hotels the next day. But we Sometimes got, you can ask for a rolling cot, too. Just there was no room. The hotel. I know this room could, was yeah. the size. I mean, you couldn't have believed how small this yeah. room was. The person on duty in the morning was really angry at me that I was checking out early. I'm like, what am I going to do? But we got nothing from mm-hmm. the third-party hotel site after I wrote a complaint. It was just not a bad experience, not a good experience. Not good. All right, Kara in California says, this tip is regarding this segment about two characteristics of wealthy people. There is a third characteristic. Wealthy people don't upgrade their phones every year to the latest and greatest out there. Thanks for all your hard work. I hope I'm as successful during the second half of my life as you were during the first half of yours. So Kara, thank you so much for that. And uh, the cell phone thing is kind of a trap, but it's like any other subscription. Monthly bills, subscriptions end up being very, very expensive and can be handcuffs in your life. Linda in Georgia says, at Christmas each year, I purchase gifts for my brother's family. Afterwards, there are usually several returns to be made, requiring them mailing me back the items and me shipping them to the store or various other time-consuming actions. I wondered if I purchased a Visa gift card and bought all their presents with it and then gave them the gift card would they be able to return and repurchase items as long as the items qualify for return per the store's policies? Linda, you're adding complication that wouldn't solve the problem. So many retailers have gift receipts. Buy your Christmas gift items for people, birthday gifts, that kind of thing. Buy them only at retailers that have a return policy where the recipient only needs the gift receipt in order to return the item locally. Or if you buy from walmart.com and have things shipped to them, 
they will be able to return the item to a local Walmart if they don't want the item. With Amazon, there's a, a thing where they can go drop off the items, uh, usually at a Whole Foods or something like that, also known as Whole Paycheck, and return the items themselves. It's harder with Amazon to then be able to reuse the money as a recipient, though, isn't it? How, how would you do that if you... I don't know how they handle that. Because with Target and Walmart and many others, you as the gift recipient and with the gift receipt, you then have the value and you can use that money to buy another item. I'm not familiar with how that would work at Amazon. Well, when one of the drivers shows up one of the many times a day at your house, will you ask? I'll ask. I mean, I know what you'd probably do is you'd initiate a return you know, shoot initiate a return and then send the QR code and, and say that they're going to return the item either at a UPS store nearby or an Amazon drop location. But how does but the, then how does she the would have to repurchase then, something? Yeah. I mean, they could pick something out and she could repurchase it. This sounds that's, like, like, that a sounds lot. like I'm surprised there's so many returns from family members receiving gifts like that. Don't you think? That's why I really like cash. I know. <laughs> I hate, I just think that's, that's yeah, a bummer. There are always so many returns. They're always returning stuff. So buying from a store that eliminates all this hassle for you and for your relatives getting the gifts, that's where I'd concentrate. And we got to figure out that Amazon thing. It seems like they'd have some way. They probably do. I just don't know. Okay. I haven't done that. All right. Coming up ahead, though, I want to talk about paper statements. I know a lot of people have had responses to my obsession with paper statements and have offered alternative ways. But I want to tell you why having paper statements or doing an alternative is so important. I wanted to mention to you that we are right in the middle of our 33rd year of Clark's Christmas Kids asking for your donations for children in foster care so they can have gifts Christmas morning. And if you have a little room in your budget, you can open up your heart. I'd love for you to help out a child in foster care because they've had a rough year because the people in their lives have not been able to take care of them and they're in a either a foster group home or with a foster parent. So the gift thing at Christmas is something that means a lot to me that we do this for the kids. I've heard from those who've become adults how much it meant to them getting a gift at Christmas and feeling for at least that one morning like other kids get to feel on Christmas Day. If you want to know how to help, go to ClarksChristmasKids.com. Now, here was not a gift. A woman had a savings account with Wells Fargo with online statements. She would just look at the statements when they came in. Her name was Denise. And she one day realized, I'm not getting a statement. And her money had vanished. Her savings account had vanished. And the bank in this case, Wells Fargo, says, oh, uh, you didn't have an account with us. Then they figured out, oh, yeah, you did have an account, but it's been gone five years. She's like, no, it hadn't been. Well, she only had online statements, and she was never storing them to her computer, never doing anything other than looking the money was there and going on. So... According to the Sun newspaper, she's been really busy posting TikToks attacking Wells Fargo. And now there's been person after person 
commenting on the TikToks, hey, my money vanished too, not necessarily from Wells Fargo. And Wells Fargo issued a statement to the Sun saying the claims made in this post have no merit. We've been in contact with our customer to address her concerns. This is somebody who they say wasn't even a customer, by the way. So who knows how it's all going to play out. And many times, you know, as we say, there's three sides to every story. So who knows how it ultimately plays. But it brings up this thing. You know, the biggest bank in the world got hit by hackers recently. It's a Chinese bank that does a lot of business in the United States as well. And they got hacked. And they were basically in deep trouble from this hack. And what's not been any of the news stories, what happened to customers' accounts? What happened to records of their accounts? I mean, I love paper statements. I also love the, the alternatives people have said, where you save them in the cloud if you use a cloud service or save them you know, on a SSD external drive or whatever. You need to have some kind of proof that you are who you say you are, you have this money, and you've got recent records of the money. Because otherwise, it's her word against theirs. Wells Fargo says, oh, you haven't existed. Oh, you haven't existed for five years. Oh, we don't show you have any money. The account's gone poof. And who knows whose account is right, hers or Wells Fargo. But the point is, you want to make sure that you are keeping track of your stuff in some way. I prefer paper. You may prefer electronic, but you cannot just trust that going on your banking app or going on the bank site or the brokerage site or the credit union site and seeing what's there is good enough. You need the track record. You need your statements. They're electronic. You store them. If they're paper, you store them because there may come a time because of incompetence a computer problem, a hack, whatever, that you can't access any proof of your funds, and that is no fun at all. Krista? This is from Greg in California. Well, Clark, you've gone and done it. You've convinced me to take the leap into Tesla. In doing so, we will have a car to sell. For many years, I've been selling cars through Auto Trader with great success. However, I'm finding it not as good now. What would you recommend as a good platform to list my car? Is eBay Motors a good option? I don't want to go to CarMax or the like because they will only give me the trade-in value. All right. First things first, go to CarMax or you may be able to get a price at CarMax.com and go to Carvana online and they'll make you an offer. That gives you a base to then establish what you're going to ask because the prices have been changing so quickly in the used car market that you aren't going to find the online pricing guides to be as accurate today as they would normally be. Don't know what the problem was that you had with Auto Trader, but I know a lot of people have had a lot of success with eBay Motors selling a car. But definitely before you try your next platform, get the value you're offered by both of the, the big sellers, Carvana and CarMax, because that will give you the frame of reference to figure out what you should be expecting. There will be that plus uh, markup. I find that usually you're going to get about 40% 
of the way between what a trade-in would be and what a dealer would sell that car for. And so about 40% more than that is, you know, 40% up that scale between those two is where you should be expecting that you would be able to sell it on your own. Bradley in Missouri, Missouri. Missouri. Hello, Clark. I have a retirement account question. Many years ago, the first job of my career was at a college where I helped take care of their computers. They offered a 403B retirement plan through TIAA. I didn't enroll in it until near the end of my time there, but I did manage to get about $25,000 into it. Good job. My next job after that offered a 401k plan through Fidelity, and I did put a substantial amount, about $200,000, into that. Even better. Yeah, my current job offers a 401k plan through Vanguard, and I have been putting money into that, and I have about $300,000 in there currently. So I have a retirement money with two of your favorite children and one of your redheaded stepchildren. Last year, I rolled in in the Fidelity 401k money from my second job into a Fidelity traditional IRA to try and start some consolidation of my accounts. Is it possible to roll the 403b money from my first job into that same traditional IRA at Fidelity? I'm not sure how 403b rollovers work or if they're even possible. Yes, you can do that. You could move the money into your Vanguard 401k, moving in the Fidelity IRA, either almost always will work just fine. The IRA transfer is pretty much automatically easy. The Into the 401k, that's depending on the pleasure of the employer, whether they allow those transfers in, but routinely they are allowed. And TIA is TIAA. They don't like to be called TIA. They used to be one of my favorite investment houses, and they remain a superior choice compared to most for 403Bs, but you will have lower expenses moving that money into either the Vanguard 401k or the Fidelity IRA. Either would be a good choice. And Patel in Texas says, one day I was dropping off my 10-year-old son to school while listening to you. He didn't say a word in the car. He just listened to the podcast. And then as soon as I was about to drop him off, he said to me, Dad, how can I invest? So my question to you is, how can a 10-year-old invest? Thank you so much, Clark. So Patel, a 13-year-old is able to open an investment account at Fidelity and have pretty much control over it with a variety of funds they're allowed to make decisions on. At 10, it would be a traditional custodial account, but I still really like Fidelity for your 10-year-old because they have these funds that have uh, zero commissions and zero costs, known as Fidelity Zero Funds. And they're a great teaching vehicle for you to teach your 10-year-old son about diversification, about how you do a mix of investments. And I just love what Fidelity has done more than what Schwab or Vanguard have done to be really welcoming to young children and teenagers to learn about the basics of investing and build actual real wealth. And I'm so glad that we have been so successful with our propaganda <laughs> that your 10-year-old wants to have an investment account. As far as the money required, for him to open an investment account with Fidelity, $1. $1 gets it done, and it creates the ability for knowledge and also 
creates this habit moving forward, hopefully, that will lead to lifetime, lifelong financial security. And, you know, for your 10-year-old to read about how an index fund works, to learn about what a total stock market index fund is, what, how does an international index fund work? How does a small company index fund work? How does a bond index work? To learn these things at a young age sets the foundation for making really smart financial decisions through a lifetime. So I love this. And I want to hear how the experience works out for him. And Krista, it's time for today's Clarky. Who do we have one from? Let's see. Hey, Clark, this is Bill from Colorado. Huge fan. I wanted to share a tip with you. Uh, You've been a huge advocate for college, living at home. I wanted to share something with you that you've not touched on, and that is scholarships. I was fortunate enough, in part paid by my employer, in part paid through scholarships, that I received a master's degree from a major university, Go Blue, and never paid a dime for it. It was a subsidiary of the uh, major university. It was incredibly easy. It took 15, 20 minutes a year. I was able to reuse the exact same form. Just wanted to encourage your listeners, please go out there, find out what's available through financial aid. I had no financial need and was able to get the money that I needed. Huge fan. Take care. Appreciate all you do. Bye. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And uh, it's a conversation I had with my two older children. I'm having it with my son right now. He got a reminder. from He's going to attend Auburn University this summer, which... My son is also going to attend, and he got that reminder, too. About the, the financial aid uh-huh. scholarship thing. And uh, it's really hard to get a teenager to focus yeah, but on but they're that. both excited. They're, they're road tripping together down to, to hang out there. <laughs> the scholarship thing is my son. Yeah, they're much the more excited down. about yeah. going to hang out yeah. at Auburn than they are about I mean, doing how the fun scholarship is that, that our kids are going to the same college? Which didn't seem at all like how it was going to play. Right? Yeah. So it'd be fun. They're such different people. It's going to be interesting to hear what it's like with them traveling together. Yeah. I think it'll be great. They're both great kids. Well, have an absolutely great day. Appreciate you so much tuning in. And if you're just just found your way to our podcast and you want to subscribe, really easy to do so. And if you watch the YouTube show, I hope you enjoy that as well. Have a great day. 